Welcome back, lady listeners. Hey, welcome back. Welcome back. You are here for the second installment of Deathscape by Adrienne J. Smith, and we will play it in just a little bit. It's technically Valentine's today while we're recording, so I'm going to read a Valentine's email from lady listeners. <laughs> Did oh, you get okay. anything for Valentine's? You I do just anything? got flowers and stuff. Oh, we're actually that was nice. We're going to like a comedy show and stuff on Saturday this week, so we're going to do our Valentine's Day then. That's a good idea. I always think like going out early or going out after is so, yeah. so much better. Like I didn't have anything really planned for dinner. I was like, oh, maybe we should go out to eat. And I was like, holy fuck, is Valentine? No. Mm-mm. Oh, God, no. <laughs> Not tonight. He's been cooking something all day. I don't know what it is. It's in like a roaster thingy. Ooh. I can smell it even right now. So you're going to have a surprise when this is done. Yeah. I got a big box of chocolates and then I went to, I had to go to the mall today. And this is just a PSA for anybody. If you have AirPods, the wireless AirPods, I bought a pair and I bought my dad a pair in 2018. I know this because I had to look up the receipt. So I took them in because neither one of them is holding a charge. My dad brought his up here when he came, he was like, here, you can have them. They don't work anymore. <laughs> so I was like, okay, thanks. So I took them. I was like, well, maybe I can get them repaired. And I called and they were like, yeah, we repair them. Like, okay. So I get there because I put the, I put the ear things in the charger, but they, I'll take the ear pieces out and they die like five minutes later. Mm-hmm. So I get there and they're like, okay, we can fix this, but it's $70 to fix it. But you could buy a new pair for $129. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, but you, there's no way to fix this. I was like, well, I'll pay. You know, he was like, well, they're really only meant to last like, you know, a couple of years and you got like five years out of them. And so it was like, like they were just basically like junk is what they said. I'm not surprised. No, but I did, you know, they, they recycle them responsibly. So if you turn anything in, they like melt it down and reuse it and their stuff. I'm surprised they last that long, honestly. That's what they said. To me, I think they're cheap because my air, my personal AirPods from the doctor. Yeah, I was going to say, those are hearing aids. They're 2,500 a piece. Yeah. That's what I said. I was like, well, I paid $99 for these five years ago. I don't have mm-hmm. anything that costs $100 around still for five years. I can't That's think of anything point. that I use that's still 100 bucks. Maybe this microphone. But, like, I can't, you know, like, it just blew my mind. But so you know what's I, weird about mine is if I even lose them, they replace them. Oh, shit. Which is weird, right, for them being yeah. $2,500 a piece. That they're just like, if I lose it, if it breaks, I've washed them in the Jesus. wash machine before. I yeah. just take well, them like, in and they that's can't That's in me case off. you're a dumbass clause. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I feel like they're not as expensive as they play them off to be if they're just willing yeah. to swap them out. Maybe like there's that. a huge markup somewhere on them. Yeah. Maybe that's just part of the plan. They're like, okay, mm-hmm. these are good for five years no matter what yeah. you do with them. We'll keep giving you a pair. And like, and my husband was like, "Well, that's what you get for buying Apple." I'm like, "You buy, you have Apple everything. Shut up." <laughs> <laughs> but I was just, I was seriously, like, you know what? I've bought cheap, uh, like headphones or whatever. I've bought like probably five pairs in the five years that I don't mm-hmm. have anymore. So technically, that saved me money, but whatever. So I just left them. Um, 
I left both pairs. Like, they don't give you a credit or anything. They're like, no, we'll just recycle them for you. And I was like, all right, have a nice day. Walked out. I didn't buy any more. I just was like, I guess I don't need them is what I'm hearing. So, fuck it. That that was my PS. Oh, the whole point of saying that, I went to the mall today and I had to do that. And they have C's candy. Have you ever heard of this? Like C's chocolate. S-E-E apostrophe S. The last name is C. And... They have these things that I got. They're Krispies Cafe Olay. Crunchy coffee wafers drenched in creamy milk chocolate. Can you see this? It sounds good. Oh, it looks good. Oh, they're so fucking good. I got that for myself. But I got to get my husband a big box of chocolate. (laughs) All right. Worst Valentine's Day ever. Let's do it. This is kind of long, but I was going to read it last week and then I was like, I'll save it. Hey, lady podcasters, you may be surprised to learn that my worst Valentine's Day did not actually involve my husband or any significant other I've had in the past. I actually spent my worst Valentine's Day with my boss. What? This is not a reflection on him as a person. He's a super nice guy and a great boss. This was also not a sexy secret affair situation. I'm totally committed to my husband. Love you, boo. (laughs) (laughs) There's so many prefaces in this. It started with my boss and I leaving for a work-related conference that was a little over two hours away. We were riding together in his vehicle. This becomes important later in the story. And I knew I had a little over two hours of time to kill. I had just started working at this organization a few weeks before this, and I still did not know my boss very well at the time. Normally, I bring certain supplies along car trips, which is any trip in the car that is going to last more than an hour. These include a bag of snacks, activities, car snuggie, yes, an actual snuggie, and a pillow. That's a, a snuggie is a great idea for a car because you just put that sucker on like a blanket. Um, I decided to uh, and a pillow. I decided to show some self restraint and not bring the car snuggie on this particular trip. Since I did not know my boss very well at the time, I decided that my best course of action was to carry on a conversation the entire two hours of our drive so that we could get to know each other as much as about each other as possible on the trip. I hate the early stages of relationships, platonic or romantic, where both parties aren't super comfortable with each other. I want to skip straight to the comfortable stage in which I can talk about inappropriate things and be my extra as fuck self and not feel judged for it. To make this two-plus-hour conversation happen, I used every icebreaker topic known to man and essentially made my boss undergo the longest, most annoying interview of his life. (laughs) Do you have pets? What are their names? If you could have any superpower, what would it be and why? What are your greatest strengths? Have those come in handy in real-life situations? Do you work out? Oh, my God. God. She's reminds me of, like, an awkward heroine, like, on a date or something. I love it. After this epic and awkward dialogue, we arrived at our hotel, checked in, and decided to get food. We were both starving by this time. I had not gotten to utilize snack bag in the car because I was too busy making sure there was not a lapse in conversation on the drive. She couldn't have a moment of silence. (laughs) We found the restaurant close to our hotel and decided to eat there. It ended up being a pretty fancy place. And of course, it was all geared up for Valentine's Day. Dim lighting, candles on the table, Valentine's specials. My boss and I were the only non-couple in the entire restaurant, which was packed. Everyone definitely thought we were a couple, though. And since I had exhausted all of my small talk topics in the car, we ate our food in awkward silence by candlelight. <laughs> this is amazing. Oh, my God. She can tell a story. We went to the when we went back to the hotel to our separate 
that's in bold rooms for the night. A few hours later, I woke up with food poisoning. <gasps> my <sighs> boss was in the room next to mine, and the walls of the hotel were on the opposite, were soundproof. It, I was a, um, were the opposite. Oh, the walls were the opposite of soundproof. It was a symphony of farting, puking, and any and all of the other gastrointestinal-induced sounds the human body can produce. I also have a weird compulsion when I puke or feel nauseous to remove all of my clothing and proceed with whatever illness is coming my way in the nude. Do you do that? Do you do you do that? Oh my god. Uh, no, I I have certain clothes. I think I'll wear. Yeah. I want to be comfortable as possible. I've felt like that before, though. When I've gotten sick, where I'm like, I just have to take my shirt off. Like I need everything off of my body while I'm sick. Um, he then very, okay, sorry. So I'm naked and gross and making all the sounds in the room next to my boss. Amid the chaos, I lose track of time and suddenly hear knocking at my door. My boss had originally planned to meet me in the morning to go grab breakfast and then head to the conference in the hotel's event center. I quickly grab some clothes and answer the door. The shocked look on his face tells me everything I need to know about how I look at this point. I tell him I'm sick. He quickly leaves and I go grab a, and I go back to dying of dysentery and not attending any of the conference, which was my first work conference for this job. He then very kindly texts me throughout the day to see if I can if, see if I need anything like water crackers or whatever a person who can't stop pooping needs. Oh, God. He comes by in the afternoon and very kindly offers to drive me the two plus hours back home, which I take him up on. Being sick sucks, but being sick in a hotel far away from home sucks worse. Yes, it does. My husband ended up meeting us at the halfway point and takes me the rest of the way home. However, I had to spend a little over an hour in my boss's nice truck, willing myself not to throw up. Oh, God. Needless to say, the job was completely silent since opening my mouth or moving or thinking was too dangerous at this point. The only thing I could think were, do not throw up in your boss's truck or on your boss. You won't be able to go back to work if you do. Two, I really wanted that car snuggy right now. <laughs> it was a huge mistake not bringing it. We finally got to the rendezvous point with my husband, who, like a knight in shining armor, had remembered to bring the snuggy with him and a puke bucket. Happy Valentine's Day, Katie. That was amazing. How did he manage to get up and around? I don't know. I get maybe they, yeah. I get maybe they ate something different. Yeah. Oh man, that's like she's a great storyteller. Can she you, is a great. You're listening. You need to write more stories. That was fantastic. It was fun, exciting. I didn't know what was going to happen next. <laughs> All right, this one's entitled Southern Superstitions. Hey, Lady DJs, I was born and raised in Tennessee, and you would not believe the stuff we do that makes no sense. My mom used to say when all the cows in the field were laying down, we're about to get a real we're about to get real bad weather. If the sun is shining while it's raining, then it'll rain at the same time tomorrow, which is true like 90% of the time. What? I didn't know that. If this if if the if the sun is shining while it's raining, then it'll rain the same time tomorrow. I didn't know that. I didn't either. My boyfriend will not split a pole like Mel said. I didn't know that once until we got together. His family will always eat. Oh, his family will always eat hog jaw and black eyed peas for New Year's Day. We do that yeah. for good luck and not do laundry on New Year's Day in case you wash your luck away. If your palms itch, you're supposed to put that hand in your pocket and it'll bring you money. If your nose itches, then someone is coming to see you. The South is wild, y'all. 
<laughs> Thanks for the laugh and great books re- book regs. Jamie Slosher's Faye series is a favorite of mine, and she writes it so well. Chelsea, you can use my name. Good, because I did. She's <laughs> cute. All right, this one's entitled Sister of My Heart. My husband died of COVID oh, in October at 38. It didn't happen quickly, but it was sudden for me. I leaned on the sisters of my heart, whom I met via romance book blogging and are spread across the globe. More than anything else during that time, they made sure I was eating, sent me gift cards for audiobooks to listen to while I sat at the hospital, gave me medical advice, did some quick Photoshop work on a picture for his obituary, and generally propped me up. It's tough when you have to be strong for everyone else, and they made sure I had a safe place to fall apart when I needed to. That's, that's so sad. sad. Oh, that's sad. I had asked for I know. I had asked for stories about um like friend friends that are sisters. That's so yeah. sweet. I love they met through romance book blogging too. Romance readers are the best. You can't yeah. convince me otherwise. They are the absolute best. All right. This is entitled Embarrassing Moments. I have a couple of different stories. These are short. One, I came across my mom's old 70s and 80s Harlequins when I was in middle school. I knew I shouldn't be reading them, but I did. Every time someone would come near me as I was reading, I would hide the book. I guess I left it out one time, and my older sister told my mom. Older sisters are bitches. (laughs) So my mom sat me down for the most awkward talk ever and told me that I was too young for the books, and I sat there fighting tears. She tried to hide the books. I know. She tried to hide the books, but I found them and was more careful about reading in the future. I discovered, too, I discovered Zane when I was in high school, and when I got to college and told my group of friends that I loved to read, my roommate, who had seen my books, was like, oh, yeah, you like that freaky shit. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> three a co-worker and i were talking about our love of reading she told me that she listened to audiobooks while she worked so i told her i would give it a try she later asked what i was reading and i told her i was listening to this man by jody Elmopus. thinking that it sounded innocent enough she responded with sound she responded with sounds intense cue embarrassment <laughs> just embarrassing <laughs> stories that was funny. <laughs> like that freaky shit. All right. This one's entitled Best Friends Meeting for the First Time. Here's the story about how I met my two best friends in college. I happened to luck out when I got my dorm room assignment during freshman year. The basement floor level had twice as much ceiling space so we could bunk our beds comfortably and store stuff on top of our closets. The floor had mostly upperclassmen because... They don't typically give up these rooms until they graduate or move into apartments. Well, during my first semester, my luck seemed to end there. My roommate had very strict parents who did not let her, who did not like her boyfriend. So she was always with him when she finally got to campus. I often joked that my room was a single or a triple at any given time because she was either there, she was either not there or they were both in our dorm. They also had no shame in having relations. She quoted that relations, regardless of whether I was in the room or not. Oh, listen, that's so that's hot. so awkward. It's hot too. <laughs> when they started getting frisky, I always headed out to the library or our dorm computer labs. One night, really late at night, I was studying for a big test. 
Now, my desks happened to be at the foot of our bunk beds. I thought they were half watching TV, half falling asleep. So I didn't pay much attention until I started hearing moaning. I looked over and there was a huge hump in the form of my roommate under the covers and over her boyfriend's crotch area. I immediately gathered all of my things to head to the computer lab. But unfortunately, I was locked. It was locked and our resident director was already asleep. I also tried a couple of common areas, but they were either locked or the evening or take locked for the evening or taking. So my best bet was to hang out in the hallway outside my dorm room and wait it out. Like I said, most of my flatmates and most of my floor mates were upperclassmen, so I didn't really know who they were other than seeing them and passing. So when I was starting to fall asleep, sitting out in the hallway, I felt a tap on my shoulder and one of the guys from three doors down asked if I was okay. It was almost like kismet because right that night, the biggest groan, because right at that time, the biggest groan came out of my dorm and an understanding passed between the two of us. He said <laughs> that if I was falling asleep, I could stay in his dorm. Okay. So in retrospect, this was not exactly one of my safest decisions, but I, but the thought process was if I had to choose between falling asleep out in the open and in a dorm room with two guys, with two strange guys, I was taking my chances with the two guys, especially if one of them was nice enough to check on me. I followed him to the room where his roommate was playing video games. He explained the situation and gamer guy offered his bed since he was staying up late anyway. I ended up crashing there for the night. The following day, I went to breakfast with both of them after going back to my dorm to shower and change. They said that if the same thing happened again, I should just hang out with them. Needless to say, I didn't necessarily go over there just to escape my roommate's awkward sexcapades. We would hang out, play video games, watch movies. I even got them hooked on soaps, especially Passions. Oh my God, soaps, I love it. And they were tickled that I love WWE. Since they graduated the following year, we lost touch for a couple of years until I ran into one of them at another university. I was on campus for a day and he was there for law school. This was also around the same time mobile phones finally became mainstream. I am that old. (laughs) So it made getting in touch much easier. More than 20 years later, they were at my wedding and I was a bridesmaid for nice guy's wife (laughs) and gamer guy swears he will never get married, but he does spoil the bejesus out of our kids. They're both my kids' godfathers and God help her when she starts dating because that person will have to face down three very intimidating guys. Let's face it, if they hurt her, I'm the only one they have to fear the most. (laughs) For as much as my roommate's shenanigans were super cringy at the time, I was glad that her libido, I was glad for her libido because it brought me two of the most amazing guys I know. I know. That's a great story. It's a really great story. Love it. All right. Let's talk a little bit about Adrian J. Smith. So, I know I mentioned it on Tuesday's episode, but make sure um, you can grab the pre-order for Indigo right now. And that's the one that's a small town lesbian romance with an age gap and a former singer-songwriter and a rancher. And I just, I love that combination. I think that's adorable. Um, Admissible Affair is on sale right now for 99 cents. The sale ends March 3rd. So be sure and pick that up while it's on sale. And you said it's in KU too. Yes, that one. Um, Some of hers are NKU and some of them aren't. She's got a wide range of books. She's got a ton of different things. So, yeah, if you just want to try something out, this is a great way to do it. But she's got everything you can think of. (laughs) Um, The giveaway this week is a signed paperback, so make sure you enter that. And I think that's it. I'm going to give them the second installment. Let's do it. We'll see you guys on the other side. Bye. I died.
Mel rested her head on Ziel's chest. Ziel put her chin on the crown of Mel's head and closed her eyes, breathing in that deep and familiar scent. Their breathing patterns matched, each pulling air in and out as the other did. Once they were calmed, Ziel asked, Were you remembering it? Mel nodded and said nothing else. Ziel's own death seemed imminent in their gray ether, like if she stayed one second too long or lost any sense of who she was, that she would die and never be seen again. She clenched her jaw at the thought. It wasn't a dreamscape. It was a deathscape. Who would miss me? Ziel shook the thought and focused on Mel, who was still in her arms. Mel may have started to act normally again, but she was still wrapped around Ciel with what seemed to be no intention of letting go. Ciel wasn't expecting it when Mel turned on her. Mel's green eyes darkened and widened as she crawled over Ciel, pushing Ciel down into the expanse of gray. Ciel's chest rose and fell rapidly, the heat from Mel's body pressing into and warming hers. Ciel licked her dry lips and swallowed, trying to wet her suddenly parched throat, Everything about the moment was wrong. She must be dreaming. I need to know, Mel whispered, her lips brushing against the lobe of Ciel's ears as they moved. Mel's weight bore down on Ciel. Heat poured between Ciel's legs, making her want to wiggle and move. With Mel's hot breath coming in waves over her cheek and neck, Ciel was completely lost to the sensations. Her legs tingled, her arms were on fire, her chest constricted as she tried to keep everything bottled inside her. She wanted to reach up, to touch the side of Mel's cheek, to see the whisper of desire cross Mel's features. Ciel wanted to kiss her senseless, to fall into the embrace in the strange gray ether and never look back. Ciel knew she was more at home in Mel's arms in a place with no walls and no floor than she was in her tiny house in the forest. Ciel closed her eyes and took a deep breath, carefully forming the words. Need to know what? That I'm alive. Mel's hips eased onto Ciel's until the pressure was sharp enough it was uncomfortable. You just said I'm dead. Mel nodded in agreement. But here, here is not there. What do you mean? Ciel ran a hand over Mel's back, unable to resist touching her any longer. Mel's muscles tightened and relaxed under her, so Ciel continued the motion, making small circles against Mel's shirt and skin. The gray ether moved up around them, wisps of fog surrounding them as they moved together. Ciel focused only on Mel in her arms, her breathing deepening as she flushed. Thoughts of stripping the vest from Mel only too soon to be followed by her shirt floating through her mind. Clearing her throat, Mel said, Here, we are alive. Out there, we are dead. I am not dead out there, Ciel stubbornly replied, pushing her head back so she could fully look at Mel. Mel gave her a pained smile, her lips turning up in one corner before she leaned down and covered Ciel's mouth with hers. Parting her lips in a gasp, Ciel shivered when Mel's tongue reached across her lips, tracing them before sliding in against hers. Ciel's nails clenched into Mel's sides, digging into the skin through her vest and shirt. She drew in a long breath, 
her chest rising to press tightly against Mel's as Mel leaned down on top of her. Ciel kissed Mel back tentatively at first, but then with the full force of what she felt. Everything in her mind swirled in circles as Mel ran fingers down her sides and cupped her breast through the thin material of her tank top. Her legs overheated, sweating in the flannel as she tried to move but felt constricted. Light entered the gray ether for a moment, and Ciel closed her eyes, white sparks erupting behind her lids as Mel licked and kissed her way down Ciel's neck. Ciel shuddered in anticipation. Ever since she had seen Mel, all those years ago during the storm that had killed her parents, and more recently during the storms invading her little clearing, Ciel had wanted her, exactly as Mel was, on top and in control. Ciel let out a short breath and slid her fingers through Mel's hair, never feeling more alive than she was in that moment. She arched her back. Mel growled low as she reached the tops of Ciel's breast with kisses. Fluttering her eyes open when Mel took her nipple between her teeth and bit down, Ciel gasped. Pain seared through her chest and into her stomach before Mel let go with a wide smile on her face. Ciel shook her head and gently caressed the side of Mel's face, glancing down into those jade green eyes she would never be able to forget. The gray ether curved up around Mel and surrounded them in a cocoon, caressing them as they caressed each other. Ciel smiled down as Mel flicked her tongue of Ciel's pebbled nipple through the thin material of her shirt. Not much harder than that, all right? Ciel asked. Pain was good. She loved slight pain during sex, but more than what Mel had done would be far too much. Ciel drew in a deep breath, widening the stance of her legs to better accommodate Mel's weight. Okay, Mel said, punctuating the two syllables. Mel didn't wait two seconds before shoving Ciel's shirt up and over her belly. The air that hit Ciel was warmer than it was when they stood talking. It felt damp with humidity, not moving with any wind or breeze. Lightning coursed through the gray ether, this time close enough Ciel could see the fingers and lines of the strike as they splintered off before coming back up from wherever it had disappeared to. Mel? She hummed horn between her curiosity and her pleasure. Mel's tongue slid around her navel before she pressed her lips in a complete circle around her skin. Ciel scraped her nails through Mel's hair exactly as she had imagined doing it before, Heat rushed to Ciel's cheeks, barreling into her from all directions. She was lost in the grayness of her surroundings and found in the arms of a stranger. Yeah? Mel's voice broke her reverie. Why is the storm? Ciel couldn't finish her thought. Mel had nipped at her abdomen, a hand sliding up and brushing against her sensitive breast, squeezing and massaging. C.L. groaned, her lips vibrating together before she gasped when Mel gave her a light pinch. It's finishing for today, Mel mumbled back before working the shirt over C.L.'s pert breast. C.L. gasped when the hot air hit her, 
Warmth and heat surrounded her body, growing with each passing second to the point she thought she wouldn't be able to get away from it or ever cool down. Combing down Mel's hair, she writhed under her, Mel's lips already covering her right breast. Mel's fingers lifted to tweak Ciel's left nipple, pulling and tugging at the skin while her tongue laved circles around the other. Too many sensations crowded Ciel's mind. The weight of Mel's body, the slide of her tongue, rough taste buds on the sensitive skin of her nipple, and the tight pulling of her thumb and forefinger on her other breast. Ciel keened and bucked her hips. Mel. Her name was only a whisper from Ciel's lips as the quiet sounds of thunder rolled through their gray ether and away. The muted noises barely bothered Ciel anymore, and as lightning flashed again, she couldn't even be bothered to follow the pattern of fingers as they jutted out. Vibrations rumbled in her chest from the sound before it was Mouse Chuckle replacing the thunderclap. I couldn't resist, Carolee. Ciel's eyes snapped open at her proper name, and she pulled Mel's face up to hers. Breathing hard, she stared at Mel, eyes narrowed and lips pursed. Mel seemed to know a lot more than she let on. Ciel's thoughts rushed away when Mel cupped her right breast, kneading the flesh. A soft moan escaped Ciel's lips as her head tilted back. She knew the storm was ending, at least to the point where she would have to decide about whether to stay in the deathscape or leave. Mel tugged Ciel's tank down her body to cover her bare skin, kissing her lips on occasion. Ciel's muscles were pliant as Mel hugged her to stand. Ciel blinked back tears, knowing they would be parting. Ciel shook her head, not sure of where the tears came from. She had only just met Mel properly. Wrapping her arms around her chest, Ciel stepped away for some space. So many thoughts bombarded Ciel. They were stuck. The storm was ending, and she didn't want to leave without Mel. The last thought stayed with her. Twisting to face Mel, her cheeks flushing, Ciel shook her head. We have to go back, Ciel said, certain it was truth. Mel didn't answer. Instead, she curved two fingers along Ciel's cheek and jaw, lifting her chin to press their lips delicately together. Ciel's eyes closed as the feel of Mel against her took over any sensations she had. She moaned and listed forward, opening her eyes when her body fell. She reached her hands out, flinging them out to grab onto something. Falling to her death had never been in the plan. Bile reared up in her stomach and her throat as she dropped, faster and faster plummeting. Clenching her eyes shut, Ciel braced herself for whatever impact she would have. Her shoulder hit the wood floor, shockwaves ricocheting through her body down to her toes, C.L.'s eyes flung open. She let out a breath, steadying herself before she even considered how to get up. She had been lucky her shoulder had hit instead of her face. Rolling onto her back, C.L. stared at her lilac-painted ceiling, letting whatever it was she had just experienced wash over her. She took deep breaths and looked around the house, not seeing much as it was pitch black save for the slight change when lightning far off lit up the sky. Thunder echoed on the walls and ceiling, beckoning her back into the in-between. 
She pushed up from the floor, the board squeaking under her weight. Once firmly on her feet, Ziel stepped to her door. Rather than turn the lights on, she walked through the house in the dark. Her skin still tingled from where Mel had touched it, tasted it. Sighing, Ziel went into her kitchen and tentatively pressed three fingers to the tea kettle. It was barely warm to the touch. Twisting the knob on the stove, Ziel set her kettle on the burner to heat her water. She rolled her shoulders before reaching up and grabbing the tea she wanted. Leaning against the counter, Ziel waited. Mel's voice rumbled around in her head. Mel was dead. Sixteen years dead. And Ziel was, what, somehow still alive? Ziel puffed out her lips and stared at her kettle, willing it to boil faster. If she closed her eyes, she could still feel Mel's mouth on her. Even though Mel was no longer there, Ziel could still feel her, sense her, smell her. She was completely surrounded by Mel in a way she had never been surrounded by anyone before. She longed for her touch. Whatever it was, it had her hooked. Mel was as addicting as standing out in the heart of a thunderstorm, waiting for the strike to hit the ground. C.L. gasped when the kettle screamed. She spun on her toes and flipped the burner off, glancing out the window of her kitchen and half expecting Mel to be standing there. But she wasn't. Relaxing, C.L. grabbed a mug out of her cabinet and made her tea. She took it with her to her front door and stepped outside onto her wraparound porch. The finished wood on the bench swing was wet with beads of water when she sat down. Her flannel pajama bottoms absorbed the moisture and dampened her legs, but she ignored it. The swing moved in the sway of the breeze as she wrapped her arms around herself, careful of her hot tea, tucking her feet under her body and letting the momentum lull her. Lightning struck some far-off place, so distant it seemed no bigger than a thin needle moving through the fabric of the cloud's skin, looping in and out as the seams were sewn together. Thunder barely rang through the night, sounding too far away to echo through the trees and fields back to her lonely cottage. She let out a breath and tightened her grip on her arms. She had missed her favorite part of the storm. She had spent it in a muted in-between of her world and a ghost. Sale closed her eyes. A ghost. That's what Mel had to be. If she had died 16 years before, there was no doubt that's what she was. A ghost bent on her not being alone. Ciel looked out at the dark forest. It could be worse. Mel could be a ghost bent on killing her. A soft smile tugged at her lips. Something that had been missing since her parents' death. Ciel shivered as the cold fingers of the afterstorm breeze glided over her flesh, loving her skin in every way she wanted Mel to. Panic gripped her. What if she didn't see Mel again? What if that had been the last time? Ciel set her tea on the ground, pushed up off the bench, and paced along her porch. Salty demons scaled down her cheeks as she shook her head, trying to rid herself of their possession. She didn't want to cry. It was insane for her to cry. She had only just met Mel, just spent a small amount of time with her. So what she was feeling was crazy. 
Seal slapped her hands to her cheeks and pushed the teardrops away, hiding from the pain. Mel had gone from sweet to torn and broken to hot and sexy in a matter of seconds. Seal stopped walking. Perhaps Mel wasn't the kind of person she wanted to be attached to. Seal let out a whoosh of air. She turned on the spot, finding her bench and plopping down onto it. Mel's death? Mel's death must have been painful and tragic for her to respond like that. Seal reached up, feeling the soft skin of her neck. She really should go inside. Giving one last longing look out to the storm that had passed by without her presence, she slipped inside the house and flipped on the lights. Falling down onto her couch, Seal begged sleep to come. Exhaustion went out over her curiosity, and blissful slumber would be her saving grace. In the background, she could still hear the storm raging in the distance, eager to shed its wealth of water on someone else. Seal lingered in the moment, knowing she would be ready for when the storm struck next. A whip lashed out and cracked, piggybacking on the light as it filled the house, waking Seal from her deep sleep. The walls shook before the windows, the sound getting louder, roiling and disappearing. Seal sat bolt straight up, a hand over her chest and her eyes wide as the thunder disappeared. Before she could catch her breath and her bearings, Another lash struck through the sky. She gripped her covers tightly and rolled onto her side to watch the storm through the window. A few deep breaths later, she noticed her heart wasn't pounding. Panic seeped into her bones as she fought the blanket to sit up and press her hand between her breasts. Her fingers were pale and her head dizzy as she strained to find her heartbeat. Digging her nails into her skin, she clawed at her heart, desperately trying to feel the sweet pump of it inside her body. But there was nothing. Sail whimpered, pushing up from the couch and racing toward the window. Lightning burst through the sky and slammed down onto the ground at the base of her front steps. She closed her eyes and curled her toes as the smell of ozone filled her nostrils, and the rumbling of the thunder cascaded through her from head to toe. She took in a short breath, letting the burst of air fill her lungs. Hyperventilating, Ziel opened her eyes as another lightning strike whipped out and landed right next to where the last one had, scorching the green grass and earth as it touched down. Milliseconds before the thunder bellowed, Mel stood there. Ziel ground her molars as she stared at Mel, narrowing her eyes into a glare. Her body burned with the memory of Mel's touch as her cold green eyes looked at her through the window. Seal shivered as she waited, not knowing if it was for the feel of Mel's hands on her again or for the anger rampaging through her. She waited two more seconds before stepping away from the cold window pane. Mel was about to get a piece of her mind. The skin of her palms protested the feel of her nails digging in and breaking the skin. When she lifted her hand up and looked at it, ready to see blood pooling through the cracks in her palm prints, there was nothing. The broken flesh knitted itself together, and she was left with only a slight tingle. Shaking her head, she wrenched open her front door, ready for battle. 
Mel stood exactly where the two lightning bolts touched, each of her dirty red converse on the two scorch marks. What the hell did you do to me? Ciel shouted, not walking over the threshold of the door. Mel stared at Ciel hard, the rain not touching her as she stood still in the onslaught. Ciel gave in and stepped onto her porch, shoving her arms under her armpits to warm her body as she walked into the sheets of water falling around her. She made it down two steps before she stopped. Mel looked at Ciel standing one stair above her, desperation and tears in her eyes. C.L. blinked and was taken aback, Mel's red-rimmed eyes brimming with tears, telling C.L. far more than any words could. Instead of asking anything, C.L. closed her eyes, leaned down, and pressed her lips to Mel's, not touching anywhere else. Mel breathed heavily, her chest rising and falling with each intake and exhale of breath she didn't even need. Ciel parted her lips and dashed her tongue out to taste the salt-filled drops on Mel's mouth. Ciel caressed Mel's cheeks with both of her hands and held on tight, slipping her fingers down to Mel's neck and playing with the short hairs at the back of her head. It was the first time she realized Mel had no heartbeat. Ciel squeaked when Mel's fingers moved up against her back and dragged her closer, holding her tightly as three bolts of lightning descended down around them, setting off sparks. The aroma of ozone, harsh and burning, was such a contrast to the coming rain scent Mel gave off when everything smelled ripe with life. Ciel nipped Mel's lip and pulled away, leaning her forehead against Mel's to ease her breathing. Why? she whispered. Mel shook her head and lifted Ciel up until she held Ciel entirely. Mel took three steps backward before spinning and putting C.L. onto the ground. I didn't do anything. C.L. drew in a sharp breath and opened her eyes as more lightning flashed around them, the storm worse than the last. Without warning, they were in the in-between. Mel's arms were cozy around C.L. as the lightning and thunder became muted, each passing second moving farther away from wherever they were. Ciel spun around, stumbling a few steps when the tears streaming down Mel's face were left untouched. Ciel shook her head, reached for anything to lean on, and found nothing. Her bottom hit the ground, the floor moving to make her comfortable. What happened? Ciel said, her tone angry. You died, Mel answered. Sobs broke free from Ciel's chest, and she shook as they took over her. She wanted nothing to do with the world she was stuck in. She was nothing better than a ghost who haunted her house. Ciel sat there for some time before Mel shuffled forward. Ciel looked up at Mel as Mel brushed the tears from her eyes. Her throat was dry and parched, but she didn't even think she could drink anymore. Not to mention, she had no idea where to get water. Sniffling a few times, Ciel blinked away more tears as Mel kneeled in front of her. I don't have a heart anymore. Ciel stated flatly, even though it felt like she had a heart. She was as broken then as she had been when the sheriff had arrived, bringing news of her parents' death. Mel shook her head in disagreement. You have a heart. You will always have a heart. Mel pressed her palm against Ciel's chest and smiled. It's right there. It doesn't beat, but you will always have your heart. 
Mal's words tore another sob from her, and Ciel launched herself forward and wrapped her arms around Mal's neck. You killed me, she whispered. She had no idea why she hugged the ghost who had killed her, but Mel was the only one there. I didn't kill you. Mel rubbed fingers up and down Ciel's back. Confusion exploded, warping Ciel's mind. If Mel hadn't killed her, then who had? She breathed deeply, staring into Mel's eyes and brushing her fingers through Mel's short brown hair. Then who did? Ciel whispered, wanting to know what had happened. The storm. Ciel sat on her haunches and blinked rapidly. Lightning cut across the gray ether, lighting the plane so she could see the shadows on Mel's face better. Ciel slid one finger down Mel's cheek and across the white scar she had somehow missed before. How did you die? Ciel asked, this time knowing for certain she wanted an answer. The storm. Somehow, Ciel had known. All along, she had known the storm had killed Mel. That Mel was there because of it and in the only place she knew she could be. Ciel shivered and kissed Mel quickly. Mel kissed her temple as the onslaught of emotions took over and confused Ciel even more. Ciel was dead. No longer a person of the living world, she had spent her entire life avoiding. She had run out into the storm, the dreaded lightning slicing down from the sky like a double-edged sword and splitting through her. If she tried hard enough, she remembered the pain. If she tried, she remembered the tears in Mel's eyes as she watched Ciel slip to the rain-soaked ground in a heap of scorched death. Air burst into Ciel's lungs with a moment of clarity, and she did the only thing she could think of. She kissed Mel. Her mouth was hot against Mel's, her hands roving over Mel's chest and arms. She pressed Mel into the gray ether and crawled on top. This time, their actions were hers. Sliding her fingers down Mel's chest and to her waist, Ciel nipped at Mel's lip, pulling it between her teeth. Remind me what it feels like to feel, Ciel whispered as she kissed the line to the closed collar of Mel's shirt. She couldn't stop. She had known as soon as she started there was no way. Reaching down, Ciel pulled at Mel's tie around her neck, freeing it from the vest and collar. Her lips locked on Mel's, one hand held her above Mel's body, while her other flipped open the buttons on the vest and the shirt underneath. Mel trailed her fingertips up and down Ciel's sides, causing tingles to grow in their wake. Ciel bent her head and licked a line along the edge of Mel's simple tan bra. Mel's back arched, pushing her breast into Ciel's face. I want to know you can feel, Ciel said, sinking her teeth into the soft, plump skin at the top of Mel's left breast. Feel that? Yes, Mel answered on a groan. Don't stop. Ciel grinned, tasting Mel as she moved between the valley of her breast to her navel. Mel tasted like the rain, smelled like the rain. Everything about Mel was the rain. Ciel dipped her tongue into Mel's navel and reveled in the way it made Mel's stomach quiver. She kissed her way up to Mel's lips and tugged until Mel was sitting. Dragging Mel's shirt and vest off and tossing them to the side, Ciel fluttered her fingers over Mel's newly exposed skin. They locked gazes, Ciel smiling. This told her exactly what she needed to know. 
She was alive in her own death. Thunder rumbled as CL reached behind Mel, flicking the clasp of her bra open. As soon as Mel's breasts were free, CL grinned. Reaching out and covering one with her right hand, CL sighed. Pleasure surged through her as she massaged, twisting Mel's nipple lightly. Mel gasped and threw her head back, the column of her neck exposed. CL leaned in and pressed her lips delicately. Do you feel? CL asked. Yes, yes, I feel, Mel answered. You? Yes. Leaning down, CL rolled Mel's nibble between her tongue and teeth until it hardened. She didn't bite like Mel had done to her, but she sucked and teased, listening to every noise that escaped Mel's lips. Mel tangled her fingers in CL's hair and tugged sharply. I want you to feel, CL whispered, raking her nails down Mel's sides. Mel groaned. Trust me, she breathed heavily. I feel good. CL smirked and kissed Mel's breast again, lavishing her full attention. Everywhere CL touched radiated heat. Kissing her way down while digging her nails into Mel's flesh and scraping her skin, CL hummed. She didn't know what Mel was thinking exactly, but she did know Mel felt. CL couldn't get enough of her ghost. Moving up, CL rolled her hips against Mel's and grinned when Mel bucked back. She straddled Mel's legs, staring into her eyes, not wanting to forget anything about that moment. The moment after she died. It was one of the most perfect moments she had ever experienced. Leaning down to kiss Mel senseless, Seal lost herself in the embrace. Concentrating on everything she did and on every reaction Mel gave, Seal could still not push the voice away in her head. It was quiet, far away, but it was still there ramming its fist against the door she had shoved closed. Death had captured her in its firm grasp and clung on tight. With no heartbeat, no life left in her, she was stuck where she had been, in the in-between with Mel, someone else who was just as stuck. Ciel breathed out deeply and tried again to focus all her attention on Mel, who she assumed she would be with for the rest of her living death. Mel ran her hands up and down Ciel's sides, spinning circles and designs into her skin, after a few minutes, Mel worked her tight tank top up her stomach to her chest, over her breast until she tossed the garment away. Mel pinched her nipple and pulled urgently. CL hissed. I feel that. Good, Mel answered on a chuckle. Just because you're dead doesn't mean you don't feel. I'm learning that. CL kissed Mel fully. Pushing her to the floor, Mel covered Ciel, who grinned up, running her hands in every direction she could over Mel's hot skin. As soon as Ciel had gotten a full taste, she knew she couldn't let go. Mel's weight settled, their chest brushing together and inciting lightning bolts of pleasure. Ciel squeezed her hands against Mel's sides, digging her nails in sharply. Mel hissed, nipping at Ciel's lip in the process. She bit down hard and Seal moaned, jerking her hips upward. Mel palmed Seal's breast, squeezing and massaging. Seal moaned and tugged her fingers in Mel's hair, pulling her closer until their lips could touch. She thought for a moment that her heart skipped a beat when Mel sucked at her neck, but 
reality crashed down. Closing her eyes was the only way to fight the tears that threatened. Ciel wrapped her legs around Mel's hips and rested into the gray ether that molded to her. Looking up, she knew focus would be key. She wanted to be with Mel. She had wanted Mel from the moment she had first seen her. Ciel sighed and ran her fingers down to Mel's jeans, unhooking the belt and button to shove them off. Mel, Ciel murmured. Mel sat up and pushed her shoes and pants off, taking her panties with them. Giving Ciel a long look, Mel raked her eyes up and down Ciel's form. Mel turned and lay on top of Ciel, the heat from her skin on Ciel's enticing and distracting. Ciel ran her hands as far down Mel's body as she could, cupping Mel's ass before plunging her fingers into Mel's fauxhawk again. I could only come here if I was dead, right? Ciel asked on a moan. Mel's lips were at her throat, moving down to her breast. Mel nodded and hummed an answer before swirling the tip of her tongue across and around C.L.'s nipple. C.L. drew in a ragged breath and nodded, even though Mel couldn't see her. So I was dead before the first time. Lifting her head, Mel answered without hesitation. Yes. C.L. closed her eyes when one sole tear dripped down her cheek and fell. With a deep breath, C.L. made her decision. She was done crying. She lifted her chin until she could see Mel and smiled, letting it reach her eyes. Mel? She waited until she had Mel's attention. Kiss me. Mel did as she asked for a long time, their tongues mingling and dancing as each ran fingers and hands over every part of exposed skin. Ciel's flannel pajama bottoms were pulled off her body until she was naked. Pressing one thigh between Ciel's legs, Mel moved sharply. Curving her arms around Mel's neck, Ciel pulled Mel down for another lasting kiss before Mel rocked hard. Ciel closed her eyes, focusing all her attention on the feelings pulsing through her system. Mel moved back enough to slip her hand between them and rub a finger over Ciel's clit. Ciel grinned, her cheeks flushed. That feels good. Mel responded by repeating it. Pleasure shot from the tips of her fingers and toes through her arms and legs. Ciel concentrated on the sensation. Nothing had ever felt better. Ciel mewled, bringing her knees higher as Mel continued to pleasure her. When Mel's weight shifted, Ciel's eyes opened and looked down. Finding Mel between her legs was surprising, but her wonder vanished with Mel's mouth. Ciel sighed and slid one hand down to Mel's hair, tightening her fingers in the short strands. Ciel's back arched, and she tugged sharply as one wave of pleasure washed over her unexpectedly. Lightning burst and fingered around their gray haven as more waves washed gently over her chest and stomach, pulling between her legs. Ciel gasped and gripped Mel hard, sweat sticking to her skin. Heat pulled at the top of her chest, sending a flush from her breasts up her neck and into her cheeks. Ciel breathed harder with each passing second. Mel's tongue moved in circles harder with each pass. Ciel let out a short breath as she clenched, her muscles pulling in tightly before releasing so many times she lost count. Lightning burst a moment later when Mel pressed a gentle kiss to her neck. 
Ciel let out a soft sigh and relaxed her muscles as Mel climbed up to lay alongside her. The gray ether cocooned them. Ciel turned on her side, flinging her hand onto Mel's stomach. They kissed, their tongues lingering in a slow tangle. Ciel glided her hand between Mel's legs and pressed her fingers into Mel. Mel sighed and her eyelids fluttered shut. Ready? Ciel asked. Mel nodded sharply. Without waiting another second, Ciel moved two fingers in a regular pattern. Mel groaned, a blush rising in her cheeks. Ciel leaned in and kissed each cheek before kissing Mel's breast. With each press of her lips, she increased the pressure until Mel quivered under her. God, Mel uttered, don't stop. Ciel continued. Mel gripped Ciel's hand, stilling her as she jerked. Her eyes scrunched together. After a few more seconds, Mel moved Ciel's hand up to her mouth and suckled. Mel kissed both of Ciel's cheeks and down her neck, taking a deep breath when she reached the hollow of Ciel's throat. Ciel stayed still and wondering what to say. The flashes of light came at fewer intervals, and Ciel knew the storm was ending. She breathed heavily, panicking that she wouldn't be able to go back. Mel? Yes. Mel kissed her neck. Do we have to leave? Mel pushed up and looked C.L. straight in the eye. This is where I live. In the in-between? Mel nodded and stroked a hand down C.L.'s cheek before resting against C.L.'s side. C.L. curled up into Mel. Are we in the clouds? I think so. Mel said, running a hand down her side. I think that's where we are supposed to live. What happens when the storm dies? She wanted an answer. Death would perhaps be painless in their gray ether, just a fading of their already flimsy existence. Ciel traced an invisible line down Mel's chest and around her breast. Maybe they could move to another storm system, living on the lightning as it struck the earth below. Ciel played with the small fog, moving her fingers through it without purpose or intent. Maybe they weren't in the storm, and it only looked as though their souls would follow it into the beyond, attached to the root of their ethereal existence for their remainder. When Mel kissed her cheek, Ciel turned, pressing a hand to her chest, expecting to feel Mel's heartbeat under her fingertips. But there was nothing. She tilted her face upward and stared into the depths of Mel's eyes. Mel kissed her lightly and answered, I don't know. I guess we'll just fade away in a flash of death. This has been Deathscape by Adrian J. Smith. Read for you by Lacey Laurel. Welcome back. Hey. Thank you so much to Adrian J. Smith for being with us this week. And up next, we have Laura Pavlov, which I'm super excited about because she is so sweet. And I can't wait. All right. Tell them what to do. Fuck your day up. Make today your bitch. Don't be a dick. Bye, guys. Bye. Read me romance. Read, read me romance. Read me romance. Read, read me romance. You could take a look in a book that's fine, or you could sit back, relax, and unwind and read. 